Are you hesitating to take the next step in your e-commerce journey? Founder Plus has you covered with proven frameworks tailored to your business needs for fast results, a supportive community of over 30,000 like-minded entrepreneurs and weekly live mentorship sessions. Founder Plus is your key to success. Try Founder Plus today for just $1 for seven days and start building your dream business with confidence. You can visit founder.com forward slash start dollar trial or click the link in the description to claim your trial. This is episode 28 of the Founder Podcast with Chris Brogan. What you need is thirst. You need to be a thirsty human who is intent on learning. It's a really fascinating fascinating exploration of human potential. Now. Now. The Founder Podcast. Even the greatest entrepreneurs had help. If you want to learn from the most successful founders on the planet, you are in the right place. Branson, Mark Cuban, Tony Robbins, Tim Ferriss, Ariana Huffington, Seth, Steve Case, Gary V, Sophia Amoroso, Barbara Corcoran, Damon John. Learn from the greatest minds in business today with interviews hosted by Nathan Chan. This is not your average entrepreneur podcast. The Founder Podcast. Hey guys, thank you so much for tuning in. Before we start today's episode, I just want to let you know that our goal at Founder is to help entrepreneurs succeed however we can by giving away high quality content in the form of interviews, blog posts, podcasts, YouTube videos, you name it. We put out so much content to help you. And another interesting project that we're working on right now is partnering with world-class founders like Damon John, Alexa Von Tobel, Greta Van Riel, and so many more to teach crucial skills like negotiation, finance, e-commerce, and so much more. So if you'd like to get access to these free trainings with founders like this, which is 100% free, just go to founder.com forward slash free. Okay, so now let's talk about today's episode. Hello and welcome to the Founder Podcast. My name is Nathan Chan and I am your host. Today we have a really, really cool guest. His name is Chris Brogan. I'm super excited to share this interview with you. Uh, We had an awesome conversation around content marketing, community building, customer relationship, how to build a presence online. And he's been doing online businesses and all this stuff ever since pretty much this stuff became the hip thing. So there's a lot to be learned from him. He shares a lot of really, really interesting stuff around what it takes to grow and build your community and actually what it means to really care about your customer. You know, it's it's not even a marketing strategy, but, you know, one, one of the biggest things that speaks for itself when you want someone to buy something from you or when that person is going to buy something from you, it's because they trust you and they believe you care on a fundamental level. So it's something that's really important that I've learned, you know, in the past couple of years of getting into this entrepreneurship game. And uh, yeah, Chris does this very, very well. So I think you're going to love this conversation. It's an awesome interview. We talk about all sorts of really interesting things. Yeah, hope you're enjoying these episodes. Uh, what's happening for me this weekend? Uh, it's Australia Day weekend, so it's a long weekend. But for me, I, there's no difference between if there's a public holiday or not. I'm just always working, having fun. So yeah, that's it from me, guys. If you are enjoying these interviews, 
please do take the time if you have two seconds could you leave us a five-star review and also please check out the magazine i think you'll love it okay let's jump into the show today i'm speaking with chris brogan Chris Brogan is a publisher of Owner Magazine, a business magazine helping you improve your worth by growing your capabilities and connections. He's CEO and president of Human Business Works, a publishing and media company. He's also a sought-after keynote speaker who has addressed crowds of thousands, been on the Dr. Phil show and once presented to a princess. Chris has consulted with companies such as Disney, Microsoft, Coke, PepsiCo, Google, Motorola, and many more. And he's also a New York Times bestselling author of six books and counting, including The Impact Equation with Julian Smith. So, Chris, thank you for taking the time to speak with me today, man. Nathan, this couldn't have been a better day. I'm so excited to talk to you. Awesome. So, look, um, I said to you before, you're, you're all over the internet and you're doing something right. And I just, I just want to start off with, how did you get your job doing what you're doing today? I took my job. I guess I didn't get one. What happened is, uh, you know, way back in the way old days, I mean, let's, even way pre-internet, I was involved in bulletin board services, you know, where you would dial up a crappy modem and it would uh, make all kinds of weepy beepy sounds and you would wait a long time to be able to add your message to a thread of messages and hang up. It would be like Twitter, but you could only tweet one human at a time. And back then I learned the magic of being able to connect with people about like interests. You know, here you are, you and I are about as geographically as far apart as humans could be and still be on one planet and we can connect. And so I fell in love with that well into my, I maybe was 12 when I started getting into that. And so skip a lot of years. And I started my first blog in 1998 when we were calling it journaling. Somewhere before that, I was using America Online and CompuServe and Prodigy and all that. And then somewhere in the 2000s, mid 2000s, I realized, wait, there's magic in this. There's business that could be had. And so I started writing about how businesses could use these tools and businesses started paying attention. And I went one day, I just sort of decided I would consult. And the minute I put out my uh, hook, the first really big company mentioned that they wanted to work with me and it was uh, Titleist Golf. And right after that, I mean, I've just been very fortunate to work with many, many very large companies that everyone would know most simply helping them understand how do we use all these digital tools to be human at a distance? You know, what, what's the relationship minded way that we can make cool stuff happen on the web. So where other people were trying to memorize SEO algorithms and search and all that. And when others were trying to say, you know, beat up an email list until the people give up their money and you can, you know, learn in 10 easy lessons, how to get rich by asking people for their money. I went at this whole other marketplace, which was just, how do we make people feel like they're cared for and treated well? And how does that translate into revenue for companies? And that's, that's kind of how I got there, Nathan. Uh, my blog since 1998, chrisbrogan.com, it used to be other names before, but, and all these other assets that I've created on and off and started podcasting in 05, it's just really given me the opportunity to be there first in a lot of cases. And, you know, what I tell a lot of people is it's not that I'm all that brilliant. I was just first. So everyone quotes me. And so it's kind of a domino effect from there. It's really interesting because I've been playing in you know, this space and, and been interested in entrepreneurship and, and in, in more in particular digital. And 
I just see your name popping up everywhere and, and you reference, like, a lot of people use you as an authority to reference things. And, and yeah, I'm just like, I've got to talk to Chris Brogan. Like, what, why is everybody mentioning Chris Brogan? I see you popping up everywhere and it's amazing, man. So I want to start with your online presence. So you've, you're saying that you've built it from scratch, but I'm sure it's more than that, just being there first. There must be some key elements to, to doing that. So... First of all, I'd like to ask if somebody was starting out in the game just right now, they want to build an online presence, how would they go about that? What's the easiest way to go about that? Well, you know, I would say, Nathan, the first thing is I, I would always tell, tell people to start with some kind of a blog. And one reason is that the actual technology to build one, something like a WordPress or whatever, is just so simple nowadays. And any and when I say that, if you're looking at that kind of technology and going, oh, I can't do that. It's it's easy to also pay someone to do really fast and set it up so that once you get it behind and learn how to, you know, just write the posts and whatnot, if you can use Microsoft Word, then you can probably write a blog. And so what I like about that is it's free mind reading, meaning your potential prospects can read how you think about ideas and projects and they'll get a better sense of what you're going to do. And there's really almost no company that shouldn't uh, have some kind of a blog. It's just a matter of you know, how does that impact, you know, people's choices or decisions or whatever, and what can we make them do? And then when I think about the online space, the only th the only big regret I have right after blog is I would have started an email newsletter a lot earlier if I had realized how valuable it would become to me. But I don't mean a lot of these newsletters that I find other people sending me look like the junk drawer. It looks like stuff they might have copied and pasted that they found all over the net or uh, leftovers in the fridge like things that we served fresh a few days ago that now I'm just going to send to you again because why not? And what I think the way to use a newsletter is, for instance, is to make it really important content that's very unique and very the opposite of very shareable. It's very private and it's like, come get this very important message. And so that's that's been a really core element of my business the last couple of years. And so like I say, I regret that I didn't start really focusing on that a decade ago or so, I'd, I'd be in a much different situation. Let's talk about content marketing because it's it's such a buzzword at the moment and it's something that I think you do very well. Do you believe that every entrepreneur and business should be should be doing content marketing right now to increase, essentially lead to increasing sales? Not every because I could see the argument for a lot of e-commerce type platforms maybe not doing that as much or doing it in a different way but I could say that most every should. First off, what I always say about content marketing is that I call it weaponized storytelling. As humans, the way we wander around the earth is we, we think, oh, do I need this thing to make my life any better? Am I the kind of person who, and then you fill that blank in. So it could be, am I the kind of person who needs a motorcycle? And if you're the kind of person selling motorcycles, so then you're going to write an article about you know, why doctors are the best motorcycle riders or whatever. And you're going to start getting people thinking about why you're able to solve their problem for them. And so, I mean, I think a lot of uh, entrepreneurial types miss the boat on this because first off, what they, what they immediately think is how can I push my product into somebody's hands? And really what they're trying to do is how can I come alongside somebody that might have the use of this product or service? And how do I tell them the story such that they see themselves in it? You know, in, in food, for instance, we might go down to the grocery store 
and we might see something there that we actually don't know how to use. Like I remember when I first saw things like, is it yucca plants? I remember seeing yucca uh, roots or whatever in my grocery store and wondering who dug up the front lawn and stuck it in the, in the bin. <laughs> and I, I had no idea how anybody ate that because, you know, I'm originally from a very rural part of, um, you know, the U S in Maine mm. and it looked kind of, you know, I didn't know, but it, you, you sort of use it the way you might use a potato or like a squash or a turnip, but I had no experience. So nobody did until, and nobody used to buy it. It used to sit there and wither and then they'd throw it away until they put up a little picture showing one easy way to cook it. And then people bought a bunch of it. So I think that that's true with content marketing. Content marketing is also good for making serving suggestions on why and how you should use someone's product. Interesting. And how do you gauge about what is, what is good content? Because a lot of people say, you know, content is king. But how do you gauge that? Because you, you find that a lot of people just, just start blurting out posts all the time with blogging. Is it, is it the quality of the post or the amount of? So first off, content isn't king. I'm the king. Content is a tool of mine. But I would say that the really important way to think about it is the, the world is just getting busier and busier. And so there's two ways to go after that. You can flood the marketplace with information, but if the information is not useful, I'm going to tune you out. I was just making this comment. I'm amazed how many businesses are using Facebook and they finally get me to push like on their product because I like their product or service or whatever. And then they ask me stupid things when I finally see the post scroll, you know, scroll by in my screen that says like, you know, what Game of Thrones character are you? And I think, I don't know, the one that pushes unlike on your page, I guess. And so I'm, I'm flabbergasted that if you have my attention, if you're going to squander it with something dumb, then it's just not, we're just not going to have a long relationship. And so I am not a proponent of the flood the market method, although I do sometimes send a lot of information out, but I only send information that I think is valuable to the person that I'm hoping to attract. And that's the big difference. There's a great book I could recommend by Jay Bear. His last name is B-A-E-R called Utility, Y-O-Utility. I think he's really got the, the idea on where content is going next. And how do you find your content ideas? I am never at a loss for ideas, Nathan. I have, uh, first off, my newsletter is unique to a lot of people's newsletters in that you can hit reply and actually talk to me. It doesn't come from do not reply at please I don't want a relationship.com.au. And so my community that, that I have the pleasure and the opportunity to serve is frequently asking me questions that are really useful. I mean, I'm looking right at some right now that I am going to use for future blog posts and whatnot. But the other place I get ideas is sometimes I wander around and I might use my camera phone and see a thought and shoot it for later. I often also ask the question, why hasn't anyone the one thing I'll tell all of your community to stop doing is following all your peers and thinking you're going to get a good idea from them. Here's the hint. If they had a good idea, they're either not ready to share it or it's not that different than something you're already doing because you're all in the same industry. All great innovation comes from far outside your industry. So stop reading all the blogs by the people doing the same dumb thing you're doing. Instead, go find the weirdos and you'll have a much better chance of innovating. Yeah, that's actually something I try and do. I don't because if you look and and you know I, I mean you know the magazine's all about entrepreneurship and if you look and read other entrepreneurship blogs and business books and all those kinds of things, you're going to come up with the same ideas. But if you look in another space, you can see what other people are doing, and something else might come to you that you can apply to that niche or that space or just an idea 
about something else, you know, and you can you can put your own spin on it. So that's a great, great point. I'm curious, you talk about community, and it was only yesterday that I, I caught up with a friend and they and they really highlighted to me the power of of having a community, like a tribe that Seth Godin would would describe. And then, you know, I was doing a little bit of research before I talked to you, and, and I noticed that you have a massive community. Is that something that you always originally went out to try and build? Absolutely. I believe with all my heart that if you are fortunate enough to have a community to serve, then you will always do better than the person who just has ideas. Someone with ideas lacking a community. I mean, let's let's go medieval for a moment and imagine that, you know, so the way cities used to form was that a military outpost would be somewhere down by some uh, body of water. And the reasons by the water is, of course, for travel and for food and, you know, other purposes. Well, and then a city would form sort of around that military area because it was the safest place to put a marketplace. That real life physical market where you'd wander through uh, would be where goods and services would exchange. And that's where trade would spring up. Well, community comes from knowing what's where in the marketplace and who can you get to and who needs this and who do I know who does that. And the way to build that is you just perpetually serve it. And a lot of entrepreneurs and a lot of founders I know think of their customer base, for instance, which is not a whole community, but it's a subset. They think of that as a chore. And all I think all day long is how can I serve these people? And today alone, I mean, I want to make sure I preface this by saying that I went through about 40 days of really cold, dry, nothing has gone well for me. I've had very bad business for about 40 days. Today alone, we had four deals. All of those deals came from community interaction all of them. And there'll be about fifty dollars or $60,000 worth of business when it's all recognized. All of that just because of community. And so what I enjoy in this process, what I enjoy in these opportunities is none of these came from some ad. None of these came from a search optimized Google placement or, you know, some trick that I know how to do in, I don't know, Vine. This is all, you know, from humans going, well, I think Chris knows something about that. And, and the reason that they're willing to say that is because I'd be the first one to say they know how to do X, Y, Z that I don't. And so here on this show, I recommended Jay Bear's book. Jay and I, you know, work in a lot of the same spaces, but why wouldn't I recommend him? To me, I'm a big follower of the concept that a rising tide raises all boats. And I've just, I don't know, every dollar I've made, Nathan, has community attached to it. So I don't know another way to do it, to be honest. Mm. And how how do you foster that community? Do you like what's the what's the best way you think to to have everyone hang out in in an area? Like how how do you foster it? I'll tell you how I do it in person, and then I'll tell you how that that also works online. When I'm in person, when I go to an event, I was just back from an event in San Diego in the U.S. called Social Media Marketing World, run by Mike Stelzner of Social Media Examiner. Two thousand plus people came. I mean, for all I know, it's four thousand. I didn't really pay attention to how many people, but. Every single time I would be in a situation where a few people would approach me, I would make sure we got in a ring and that we just kept welcoming in anyone else who was coming by who wanted to talk. And quite often I knew at least a few of the people well enough to turn to another one and say, oh, did you know Ian? He's really good at figuring out which digital tools are great. Or did you know uh, Lewis Howes? He's, He's like the master of webinar selling and all that. And so in that process, I just kept you know, shifting the attention to these other people who are also very interesting leaders and great experts at what they do. And I think that the best community builders in the world are the ones who spend most of their time pushing the spotlight towards others 
and making sure that other hands connect. A long time ago, I think in the book Trust Agents, we called it be at the elbow of every deal, meaning I found the person who puts one hand into another person's hand and I never ask for a penny in that interaction. I'm going to get invited to a lot of places. And I think that's one element of community. The other, and for some reason, this quote really evidently stuck from my speech last week because I keep seeing it tweeted back to me a lot, which is stop spending all your time sucking up, but instead spend your time rising, uh, raising up all the people around you. And I think that's the other opportunity is when you know the other up and comers in your space, stop pretending they're not there or stop thinking they're the competition, but instead raise them up and you will go so much further than everyone else who's trying to fight like crabs in a bucket. To really become a connector. Well, absolutely. I, I think that, you know, in trust agents, we called it agent zero in my other books. I mean, there's never a part that doesn't talk about connecting. And, but the thing is, Nathan, you and I have both met connectors who are not like that. We've met connectors who always have an ulterior motive, or we've met connectors who are smarmy about it in some way that makes it just feel dirty. And the real goal is just, you know, how do you do it with complete selflessness? And how do you make sure that the person just knows that it's it's just pure love and hope for everyone's success that makes it work. We talk about success. There was a, one of my favorite quotes is 80% of success is just showing up and it's by Woody Allen. What's, what's your thoughts on that? Well, I mean, I think showing up is definitely part of it. I'll, I'll tell you one of the early keys to my success, such as it were, was that even before, I, I totally could not afford to do this, but I kept signing up and paying to go to conferences and flying there, uh, sometimes when I couldn't even really pay my mortgage. And so my house would be in jeopardy for a month, but I'd show up at an event. I'd land at the airport and I might go to take, say, $20 out of the automatic machine and maybe $20 wasn't there. And then I would think, well, I sure hope there's food at this conference and I might, you know, eat a little toothpaste in between. And so, but, but because I was there all the time, suddenly some really good names in the industry that I was, you know, seeking entry into kept saying, wow, that Chris Brogan is everywhere. And coupled with my online presence of being everywhere, it really started to feel like this guy must know something. He's, he seems to be at all the, the big events. It's like being a Hollywood guy, you know, Hugh Jackman starts showing up all over the place and you think, wow, he was going for it. But instead, what he's probably really doing is what I was doing, which is kind of marketing by presence. And it's expensive and it's not the easiest thing to do. But I'll say that I'm sure that it contributed to my potential success because, you know, you could put your hand in my hand and you could get a really read on if I was the same person I said I was online. You talk about marketing. I Like you, you have a massive presence online and I just wanted to know, if we were to talk about ground roots marketing, how, how do you approach your marketing? What is the what is the best advice you would give to someone trying to market their online business? Be helpful. What I find most people doing is they're really dying to explain their product. And more times than not, you know, everyone hates to be sold to, but we love to buy. And so there's somebody out there so anxious to use your product but you have to find them and you have to find them gently. And I find that, you know, from my experience having a blog with, you know, a certain kind of readership, I get mail all the time from people saying, hey, we love your blog. Would you like to try out a baby stroller? And I'm like, well, my kids are eight and 11, so I'm pretty sure a stroller might not be a good tool. Although I guess I could make them get in it, but they'll probably fight me for it. You know, so there's a lot of times where 
you know, the offer or the opportunity just doesn't line up. And, and what I find bad marketers or bad sellers doing is they're, they're pushing even harder for those kinds of opportunities. It's, it's so much easier just to listen and find who's got a need or who's got something you can do and how can you be helpful to them. And so, for instance, one of the reasons I have such the following that I do on places like Twitter is that I show people all kinds of great resources that they can do things with that are often not mine. I've said for a really long time, promote other people's stuff 12 times as much as you promote your own. And then the other thing that I do a lot is I spend a lot more time on Twitter search than I do on Twitter just reading people's things because I'm searching for people who are looking for the solution that I offer so I can help them even more. Wow, that's really interesting. You do a lot of things. You're, you're an author, a best-selling author, a writer, a blogger, publisher, entrepreneur, speaker, how do you manage it all? First off, it's not a great thing that I do a lot of things. It just means that I'm like ADD, like everybody else. But <laughs> I've really tried to package it into this one thing now. Now that I run Owner Media Group and I folded the Human Business Works Corporation inside that. And so I'm not doing as much consulting as I can help it. Although I'll tell you when the phone rings and they offer money, I don't say, oh, no, and hang up on them. So I still consult. But I do all that, plus I go to the gym twice a day, and I have time for a relationship with my beautiful girlfriend, and I have kids, and she has a daughter, and you know, the way you do it is you cut out all the baloney in life. I mean, there's just so much silliness, you know, for instance, you know, I try to make any interview opportunities 20 minutes or less. I try, you know, if I have to have a meeting, if I'm forced to have a meeting, I do it as brief as possible. I don't watch too much television. I don't, I don't actually own television, but we watch it on laptops or whatever. And, you know, there's a lot of things you can cut out of your life before you tell me you don't have enough time. I also don't read all these blogs that everyone seems to read. If it's in Mashable or TechCrunch or something like that, you're going to tell me if it's interesting. I don't need to read all 200 posts. You'll just tell me, oh, you should check this out. And that's kind of what I like. So I'd sooner spend time in a magazine like yours, like Founder, because at least I can get some insights from people who are doing the work. And that's something a lot of people do, too, is they just waste so much time trying to keep up. And I'd rather just, you know, focus in instead. We talk about spending, you know, you, you said that you that you don't watch TV and you've given up some, so I don't know if you've given them up, but one of my favorite questions that I ask anyone that I interview is, is what did you have to sacrifice to get where you are today? What, what did you have to give up? Because more often than not, we see the end product. So we, people that come across Chris Brogan, we see, you know, you've got all these followers on Twitter, you've got a, a rock and blog, you've got all these awesome courses, you've got these books, you're doing all these really cool things. But what did you have to do to get where you are? Like you said, you started from the beginning. So can you tell me, can you give me an insight? I can totally do that. So one of the things that I did to start, and, and by the way, it, it's so funny, a lot of times people say, well, now you've made it. So it's just all gravy from here, you know, but I haven't, you know, there's always more success. And there's, if you're, if I hate using words like true and real, but a real entrepreneur is never out of danger, right? Donald Trump went bankrupt or just as close to bankrupt as one can get twice in the billions of dollars range. So Richard Branson, you know, he has a lot more money to play with these days, but he has certainly taken it on the chin several times in his process. So 
early on, what I gave up was, you know, I, I, I really spent as much of my money as I possibly could and more than I probably should have. I never, ever gambled with anyone else's money, by the way. I should say that. I've never raised for any projects that I do. And there's days I really wish I did, Nathan, but I love being the owner. I know too many people that suddenly become employees of the money and I'm just not into it. Then again, if I had a really capital intensive plan and I thought I could own the universe, then maybe I would do it, but it's just not how I build. So I've given up a lot of my money over the years. I've, I've gone pretty close to broke many, many, many times. I've so far lived in my home and not in a dumpster, but there's days when I wonder, I give up on, you know, there's a lot of events that sort of the social media crowd love to go to, like South by Southwest, for instance, in Austin, Texas. But to me, it's just like a big six-day party, and that's not interesting to me. I like business, and I love to say hi to all those people and hug them and all that, but it's not worth a few thousand dollars for me and six days of not really doing enough business to, to justify that at this point. So a lot of what I've surrendered is usually time-based. Sometimes it's you know uh, some opportunities. When I decided I wasn't going to really actively seek a lot of consulting, I gave up a lot of revenue because, boy, big companies have big checkbooks. But I, I also started to feel a little disheartened by some of those big companies because certain people would be passionate, but then eventually you sort of fall like a like a little ball bouncing down a hill to the person who is just at their desk to keep it warm. And, you know, that gets a little frustrating. So I need passionate people just like you do. I mean, I'm sure founder really gathers around it, a lot of passionate people. And, you know, so what I've also given up along the way is I've given up boring people, you know, <laughs> oh, that's interesting. It's hard to do, Nathan. I know it's hard to quit boring people, but you know, I, I have, and, uh, you know, the other thing, I guess, you know, the one last very big truth is I I've given up excuses. And I would say that's probably the most germane thing to the founder crowd is I've given up allowing excuses to get in the way of my success. Yeah, that's very deep, man. We talk about entrepreneurship. What do you believe it takes to, to build a successful business? To me, it's everything about the whole concept of, well, to build a successful business versus entrepreneurship. So entrepreneurs, I think, really just have to be willing to risk a lot more than other people and be willing to work. I've heard this cliche thing that I've been repeating far too much, which is that entrepreneurs are the kind of people who work 80 hours so that they'll never have to work 40 and I think that's true. But to make a successful business, in my mind, what has to happen truly in the kinds of businesses I build, I should really qualify this by saying that I'm in no way attempting to make, you know, lasting businesses that are going to change the universe. But just to sort of wrap this up, I guess, I think that the goal is to make sure that people feel like they belong. And that to me is what makes a business. And so that's what I work on the hardest. Mm. And well, yeah, look, we have to work towards wrapping up. Um, it's been awesome speaking with you. We've got some really interesting insights. So I just wanted to say, was there anything you'd like to finish off with? Uh, you know, the, the very last thing I'd like to say is that when we're in this mode and trying to think like a founder, we're always sort of hungry for resources to give us inspiration and whatnot. But what we should stop being hungry for blueprints and we should be very much more hungry for uh, advice and making sure that we have, uh, I guess, food. We should have mental food, but not blueprints. That's my last big thought. All right. Well, we'll wrap there, man. That was awesome speaking with you, dude. My utter pleasure. Thank you so very, very much. Hey, guys. I hope you enjoyed this interview. 
As you might already know, our mission at Founder is to help tens of millions of people every single week with our content, either start or grow their business, which is exactly why we're partnering with world-class founders such as Damon John, Alexa Von Tobel, Greta Van Riel, and so many more to teach crucial skills such as negotiation, finance, e-commerce, and so much more. So if you'd like to get access to these free exclusive trainings, please go to founder.com forward slash free. These are 100%. We go super in depth on teaching a particular topic, and I know that you're going to love them if you enjoy this podcast. So just go to founder.com forward slash free. All right, guys, I'll see you in the next episode.